if anyone had told me that I will be absent from the Living Inside Out podcast room for three whole months, I would have laughed and laughed and laughed. Yet, here we are. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Tokes Arotere. This is episode 65. Episode 65 is What's Up November? I am super excited to be back here. I took a three-month break. It was unintended, it was unplanned, but somehow it happened. How have you been? How are you navigating your world in the midst of the news of the world? At the moment, it feels like the world is under some type of pressure. Let's start with the United Kingdom. We've dealt with the aftermath of Brexit. We're still very much in it. (laughs) We are dealing with the aftermath of the pandemic and the whole world is still doing that. And then in came a new prime minister and she was only there for however long, a matter of weeks. And then we have now have another prime minister. So in the month of September, between September and November, we've actually had three different prime ministers in the UK. Isn't that crazy? Then we lost our precious queen and we have a new king. And so all of this is happening against the backdrop of a conversational tapestry made up of the words of inflation and high cost of living, energy crisis, and so much more. Now, let's not even get into our own individual worlds where different things are happening for different people. So this is me. I don't watch the news, but I'm fully aware of the pressures. But I know that God is good and he has always looked after us and he will continue to do so. The month of November has been an interesting one. Actually, November is just starting. I would start with October. No, I feel like I should go all the way to July. It's just been a crazy second half of 2022. I have learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about people. People will not ever cease to surprise us. And it's just so much stuff has happened wonderful, wonderful stuff, but also some serious challenges too. But that's what life is made up of. Life is a nice mix of good, bad, ugly, fun surprises. (laughs) My husband turned 50 this year and in September we had a birthday celebration for him. It was absolutely wonderful. It wasn't even stressful. A lot of people have said to me, Oh, you must be glad it's over now. I am glad it's over, but I didn't find it stressful for two reasons. One, I've got a great group of people who just hold me up. My friend Susie and my wonderful staff at the shop and just people in my life and family. But also my cousin, my beautiful cousin turned 70 a few weeks before my husband's birthday. And I just used her birthday celebration as my template for planning. So I wasn't starting anything from scratch. 
all I did was switch colors here and there and change the seven to a five and, and everything worked out well. But it was beautiful. We had navy and gold decor and the boys surprised me. They gave their individual speeches, which literally brought tears to my eyes. Considering that the night before I was moaning to Jason and saying, no, we need to pray for our boys, you know, and I had all this litany of complaints about them because I was concerned that they were far from perfect, but they just turned out to be, you know, such a blessing, like they are a blessing. And sometimes as parents, we need that, that uh, reminder. So his birthday was a celebration of life and excellent health because last year, just after he turned 49, he fell very, very ill and it was a battle for his life. And so to be able to come together with friends, people we have known for decades, family members, just for celebrating, you know, not a celebration of life, but a celebration in life, like he's here. So that was, that was beautiful. Then he turned into a giant reunion for his own school and his secondary school mates all came together and uh, they are now my best friends and now the husband is very jealous of the friendship and I do not care because <laughs> they're wonderful people and they like me and I'm sticking with them. <laughs> October has been difficult, I'm not gonna lie. It has been a tough month, you know, and the thing is I survived it. I don't know how your last few months have been but mine have been a little bit tough, you know, dealing with work, changing landscape in the business. But I know that tough times really does create tough people. Tough times create tough people. And work has been working, doing its thing. I've learned to ride the waves. I think my previous approach to challenges was to try and stop them from happening with everything in me. But now I'm learning that I can actually ride the waves as opposed to trying to stop it from waving. So I've become a surfer. And if you've been listening for any length of time to this podcast or we're connected on social media, you'd have heard me say that challenges are lesson teachers. And so even through the most challenging parts of this, the last few months, as much as I wanted it to end, there was this part of me that was conscious enough to know that there were lessons in there. And I wouldn't say that while I was going through it, I was also learning, but it has a clarifying effect on you and you just kind of come out of the sea, you know, come out of the waves, drenched, soaked, tired, bewildered, but also it's like the whole world has been cleaned and you get to see things clearly or maybe you get a new set of eyes. And so I've come out of it and the amount of lessons and understanding and revelation that I've been getting has been literally blowing my own mind and I can't wait to share some of them with you. So the last few months have been very powerful lesson teachers for me. One of the lessons I learned was about people. I expanded my network and got into the space where I've met groups of people that I've never really fraternized with before. And I'm finding that as you expand your network and you begin to 
sort of, I don't want to use this, the phrase go up in the world, but as you begin to meet more people, you will come across characters and personalities that will shock you just at their personality alone and then their actions. But then what I found even more interesting is that you also get to see a part of yourself that you didn't even know existed. And I shocked me and even came across unsavory reactions and traits within myself that I wasn't happy with. And that's what exposure does to you, especially if your eyes are wide open and you're a learner. If you're a life learner, or you learn from life, you will notice things about yourself and that you would never have noticed had you not been in the company of certain people. And so it's been a learning curve for me as well. And amazing that at my age, there are still traits that I'm learning about me. I thought I had, I knew it all, but one of the phrases that my friend Susie and I say is people will never stop surprising us. You know, she's gone through a divorce, divorce was finalized a few months ago and everyone's breathing a sigh of relief because it was quite difficult one and and then personality showed up <laughs> that we did not see coming and so people will surprise you so that's what October has been for me lots of lessons what else happened <laughs> a member of my staff quit I wouldn't say that I saw it coming but at the same time I wasn't surprised the very first time a member of staff quit was last year. That was my first experience and I remember feeling so out of sorts and wondering what I was doing wrong. I felt that there was something broken that I needed to fix. Was there a problem with the way that I was running the business? Was there a way I was managing the staff that was flawed? But then as time went on, I came to understand and accept that one, let's start with the fact that everyone's got their own life and their own reason for doing things and everyone has a right to do what's best for them. But at the same time, not everyone who comes into your space, your life, your business is meant to be there forever. People come in, they play their part and they move on. And the third thing, the third point that I took away from that experience, which was really what uh, shepherded my thoughts when this member of staff quits this month, this year in September, was that God takes away by blessing us sometimes. You know, often we talk about blessing and we, we want to see blessing as God adding and giving us receiving something. But sometimes blessing comes in the form of God removing the things that deplete us or plugging the holes that drain us or removing the people or resources that don't serve us, that cost us instead. And so I've now become so comfortable and open and no longer fearful of losing staff for any reason at all, because I believe that God's leading me in the direction that I should go and he's with me and he's with the business and what's best for the business he does, whether it's taking people out or putting new people in. So that was a nice experience for me. 
to not have to look for or attribute someone leaving to a flaw of mine or a fault in the business. That was growth. That was a sign of growth. I also decided not to replace this person because I felt that we, the rest of us, could literally split their role amongst us and we'd be fine. Next, I needed to reshuffle my daily schedule to make room for this extra work and really figure out a more effective way to work generally. I used to use this planner called Savor. I think it was the Savor Planner but or Savor the Success, but it was by a lady called Angela Gia Kim. I'll tell you about Angela in a minute. But the planner, Savor the Success, was a very or is a very useful, clever little planner. It's, it's a way that I have adopted and I still use the method today. I stopped buying them because of the shipping cost. Shipping that little book from the US just didn't make sense anymore. But I kept her methods. So basically you start your day with a brain dump. You literally just empty your mind in no particular order on paper what needs to be done for the day. Then you pick out three priorities, the stuff that must be done, even if you don't do anything else on the list. And next you list three seeds and the seeds are considered any task that will not get you an immediate result, but it will bear fruit in the future. So for example, one of my daily seeds is PR. I write to editors or columnists or respond to press requests every single day. I may not get a response for weeks. As a matter of fact, I did an interview back in September. That's not going to be out until December. So you plant those sort of seeds. You might send out responses from the press and not hear anything for months. <laughs> and then boom, one day they ask for more information or ask for photographs or what have you or call you to do a proper interview. And so... Don't shy away from any activity that has a long lead time is why I mentioned that. The planner also asks you to choose three weeds. Your weeds are activities that need to be done, but they may not necessarily spark joy or even create anything new. Think fixing broken shelves or decluttering your desk. Or if you've got an online store, fixing your broken links or doing a little bit of SEO or, you know, working on your image names, alter image names and things like that. And then in addition to the seeds and the weeds and the brain dump, you have a tick box area where you mark out your cups of water throughout the day. So you're meant to have like eight or 10 cups of water. And every time you have one, you tick it. And finally, you list one thing that you need to do for self-care, such as going for a walk or doing your nails or journaling or a quiet cup of tea by yourself. And then there's other stuff like daily rituals and nighttime rituals as well. But it's a planner that helps you stay focused. And I'm going to leave the link in the show notes in case you want to order one. But as I began to re-implement this planner into my days again, especially because of the extra work I have to do, I added one extra bit which was, if we stick with a horticultural theme, I added fruit picking. Because after you've planted a seed and nurtured it and it grows, you don't just leave it on its own, right? You've got to pick it. And I found that for me, 
this is a necessary step, even though it's pretty obvious. I mean, you may even think, uh, Tooks, why would you need reminding? That's the fun part that everybody wants. Hmm, sis, brother, not me. And I'll tell you a background story. And I still remember I've got to tell you about Angela. So years ago when I started my business, I was turned down from every manufacturer that I approached to sell their baby products. Oh my God, I realize now that the path we travel on and the specific challenges we face are needed for us as individuals to shape us into the man or woman that's worthy of carrying out that plan. I hate rejection. Oh goodness, I do. I'm sure no one loves it, but in my case, the fear of being rejected has been instrumental to my not taking certain steps. That's how bad it is. Because I'd rather do without than risk being turned down. I'm working on it. It's not a, a very positive trait to have and I'm working on it, especially if it's holding me back. And I can see how God needed to work on me and therefore he did that by placing me on a path where there were many no's and I get the no's regularly and I'm coming to a place where I'm no longer scared of no. I've kind of accepted it as a normal part of life, but it has been a long journey. I remember one, <laughs> one supplier that left me in tears. The process of going to the trade show alone was nerve-wracking, especially in those early days. And part of the problem was I didn't even have the courage to ask in case I wasn't taken seriously because I f remember I had lost everything. And so who I was at the time was this nervous, broken, scared girl. And so to then risk taking my broken pieces to go and ask and risk rejection was nerve wracking. And if I got past that point, the next issue would be, mm, what if they say no? What if they say no as much as I've taken myself, broken, scared, everything, and then they turn me down? So that was a heavy one. I recall one company that I had approached, she sold these cute handmade wooden signs, you know, the ones that have the cute little sayings. And she actually said, yes, yes, I'd love for you to sell them. So had put them up on my website a few days later, called her to ask her a couple of questions. And I mentioned, yeah, it's on my website, but I had a question maybe it had to do with pricing or something. This woman flipped, go and take your own pictures. How dare you? I took these pictures. I paid so much money and you'd taken my photos and put them on your website. And I was like, well, how else am I supposed to sell them if I don't have the pictures? I was very clear that I was only selling online, but they are your products. I've not pretended they're mine and, and I will have to buy them from you. I just couldn't. But I just remember being reduced to a pile of tears. It didn't make sense that she was a wholesaler, but didn't want to equip her retailers to sell her own products. And you see, when you're going through a challenge and, and you're just trying to make it from one day to the next without falling apart, and then someone comes and talks down at you like that, you feel like crap. And I remember feeling like crap. I remember another time I had a supplier tell me that, Whatever I sold her products for, she wanted a percentage of my sales. That was the weirdest one I ever heard. Normally, they'd sell it to you at a particular price and they'll tell you what the recommended retail price is. And 
I can't remember what the situation was. Maybe she didn't have a recommended retail price, but I priced mine up knowing how I mark up goods, how markup goods should be in the home industry. And I marked mine up and she goes, I'm not, I'm not going to charge you what I said I'll charge you. Whatever you sell them for, I'm going to take a percentage of it. And that didn't make sense. It was weird. For me, that was yet another form of rejection. Anywho, I had to develop the skill of turning around rejections from people. And each time I got turned down, the main reason was you'd need a physical location, otherwise we can't sell to you, or you need to buy a bulk amount to qualify, all kinds of different rejections I got. And I'd go away, think about it, come up with a solution or a counter to their rejection. And the next supply I went to, I would lead with that. And so before they even had a chance to say, we only sell to people with physical locations, I would say, we only work offline. And I would come up with a reason why, which was always very unintelligent answer. And that was how I figured things out. And that was how I went from one stage to the next but you see, the problem was that I then started to get high from turning the no's into yeses. And that high took my focus off my goal, which was selling products in the first instance. That's a classic case of chasing joy. Very often our decisions are driven by whether we are going after joy or we are running away from pain. And I go into detail in episode six, which is titled Joy or Pain, Emotional Decision Making. When you choose to remain in the thrill of successful nurturing, instead of moving on to pick the fruit, you are choosing joy. And that's what I was doing. So I thought we'd look at what it looks like to stop short of picking the fruit, whatever that is for you. And my hope is that this will help you move forward especially if you've been feeling stuck. Number one, like me, you're chasing joy. You've become addicted to the thrill of getting to the point just before your harvest. In episode 63, I took you back to the days I faced a major challenge and how my goals went from excelling to just getting to average. Because average or mediocrity was better than the suffering and the lack that I was going through. And in the same vein, when you've been struggling for a while to get as far as you finally got to, turning a no into a yes, for example, you may choose to stay there because you have advanced, because you have advanced, but you're not quite there yet. I'm finding little signs of various areas of my life where I have been practicing mediocrity with the excuse that I've tried, I've come a long way. And yes, I have, but I'm still not where I was headed. I haven't arrived or, you know, I'm not even on the path. It feels like I'm not on the path to the destination I should be heading, even though I don't like to look at life as a journey to a destination. I prefer to see life as a journey of becoming becoming who God created you to be. But I see in so many signs of mediocrity in my life. Um, and it's for different reasons. One, you're fed up of trying, or maybe in some cases, it's just something more pressing comes along and you'd, you'd turn your attention towards it. 
or whatever it is, there really should not be an excuse for working so hard to get yourself to a certain point and then you don't even pick the fruit. The second possibility is that you don't trust that the fruit is ready to be picked. Often, the simplest things create the biggest results, but because we live in a world that is largely tactile and emotional, we rely on our senses or our feelings to inform us, or we lean on our emotions to drive us to do the harvesting. And most of the time, there isn't a physical or emotional indication that you're ready to move to the next stage. And if you have only ever lived superficially, i.e. you do not yet live from the inside out, then your reliance on your senses or feelings to inform you will keep you waiting because there is no physical or emotional sign that it's time. And this may show up in your life as finding reasons to keep tweaking and amending and adjusting and fixing and whatever traits there are of perfectionism. You've got to trust that the work that you've done up until this point is indeed sufficient. Finally, maybe you are reliant on patterns. The easiest way to get something done is to follow the templates that others have laid. Every single time you try something new, your brain uses up calories. Plus, you're taking a risk because there's no real guarantee that it's going to work. And so you may stall because you're waiting to align it with a pattern or something someone has done before. You want to see that it worked for them first and then you'd go on to it. Or if it failed in your eyes, then you wouldn't even bother. And so you are waiting for a pattern or you're waiting for an example or you're waiting for, again, evidence that it's going to work. But you see, we are all uniquely created and you, my friend, are jam-packed with everything that you need to carry out your unique ideas. This last sentence has become my battle cry for the past few weeks because I found myself stalling and waiting and just kind of holding myself back. And as a bonus, here's why. I'm waiting for everything around me to quieten down and become the silent audience while I do my thing. But guess what? Life isn't like that. Sometimes you have to shut out the noise and everything else that's happening around you on stage and play your part. Now, if this has in any way blessed you, do let me know. Your comments and feedback and reviews are the icing on the cake. And if you feel so moved as to leave me a review, leave a five-star one on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for listening, for bearing with me, for sticking with me, for riding with me and for listening. Till next time, leave from the inside out. <laughs>